0: Welcome to this episode of Woman to Woman podcast series. Our guest today is Stacey Bruziz. She's currently the portfolio lead for the quality and validation team at Informa Connect, as well as the managing editor and publisher for the IBT network. She's responsible for the creative industry, including regulatory professionals, industry thought leaders, and manufacturing teams. In addition, she's also responsible for the publication of both Journal of Validation Technology and the Journal of GXP Compliance, which deliver peer-reviewed articles, to enhance the knowledge of best practices and awareness of innovation and trends across the industry. Prior to working in this role, Stacy held several top leadership positions across New England, including acting as the President and CEO of the Greater Haverhill Chamber of Commerce. She holds a master's degree in marketing and has served on several advisory boards and committees. A native New Englander, she now resides in Northern Virginia with her family. Hi, Stacy. Welcome to our podcast. We are so glad to have you with us today.
1: Thank you. What a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. So what do you do today and how did you get here?
1: So it's been a long journey to get where I am, uh, but today I am the managing editor and publisher of two online journals, uh, the Journal of Validation Technology and the Journal of GXP Compliance in uh, the Life Science Industry, as well as the portfolio lead for um, the quality and validation areas within IVT Network, which is an Informa company. It's a, a huge mouthful, but um, basically, I work with scientists engineers and other professionals who are concerned with the regulatory compliance and equipment working equipment for uh, drugs and medical device manufacturer wow it's so much fun um i'll tell you as i mentioned i really took the long way around to get to this job originally i had gone to college many 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 years ago to be uh, a teacher an elementary school teacher. I have a degree in education and a degree in psychology. And off I went. And then after about three years teaching, I realized that that was just not the right profession for me. And so I uh, went back to school, got a master's degree in marketing and started working. I've done a a mix of nonprofit and for-profit work, but really found my niche in working directly with people, helping them to better themselves, better their businesses through education, self-discovery, and then connecting them with other individuals. Uh, I spent 13 years leading Chambers of Commerce, and I loved that job. It was an amazing opportunity for me to really get to know so many different people, Uh, so many different types of industries. The common thread here and continues to be today for me in my jobs is that I've always had a leadership role with an opportunity to provide education and or learning opportunities for my audiences. And I think, you know, it took me a long time to realize that that was my strength in industry, but uh, here we are and I embrace it now and I, you know, really work hard to help other Find their passions in their jobs too.
0: Having the training of an educator, do you think that has helped you in doing what you do today?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think I have a much better understanding of what makes people tick, why they think the way they think, why they do the things they do. And some of the takeaways from that also are that I don't push people necessarily. I help guide them to figure out what's best for them. I ask questions. I really can help them reflect on who they are as a person or what their business is, what their goals are. Recognize, you know, if the steps that they're taking are the right ones to get them to where they want to be. Ultimately, I have a master's degree in marketing, but I'm not like a hard marketer. I've never been a hard sell kind of person. I've always been the educator. I've always been the person to just really help people think about the pros and cons and come to um, their own best decisions. And uh, that I think started because of my training in education and psychology specifically.
0: You also mentioned you worked for for-profit as well as non-profit organizations. Where do you see the biggest difference or is there a difference? <laughs>
1: (laughs) You know, there really isn't a difference. Ultimate difference lies in where you put your money, right? So when I was in nonprofits, specifically Chambers of Commerce, I mean, everything that we made as a business would go back into our business to support the communities around us and our member businesses. I don't think that we do anything different in for-profit in terms of reinvesting, but we're reinvesting, maybe not in our communities, but more in our teams, in our equipment, in our processes, so that we can be better. Ultimately, you know, the goal is to be the best that you can be for the audience that you serve. And I think it's the same uh, on both sides of the fence. What
0: got you into college for education? Was that the plan? Did you always want to be a teacher? You
1: know, growing up, I always loved children. I loved learning myself. Academics was something that I enjoyed. And I thought that it made sense to be a teacher because I love kids. I love learning. I love reading. All of those things in my mind went together. Of course, I didn't have a worldview at that point. I had, you know, just the benefit of growing up in a small town uh, in New England knowing um who i knew and the seeing some people with careers that may or may not have interested me um and it was interesting back then I feel like there were not as many choices for women, especially, you know, so you could be a nurse, you could be a teacher, there was a handful of other things, but we didn't spend a lot of time investigating careers like some of the kids do now and really getting to know ourselves and what our strengths and weaknesses are, you know, from that bit of information and from the things that I knew I liked to do and or were good at that teaching seemed like a good fit for me. I enjoyed the education of it going to college. And doing my internships and my student teaching was all great. And then I became the classroom teacher myself and realized quickly that I thrive on relationships and interactions and dealing with people and problem solving. And when you're an elementary school teacher, especially with the primary grades, which is where I was like kindergarten, first, second, it's more about babysitting. And it's more about behavior modification and things like that. And dealing with parents who are unhappy about one thing or the other, as opposed to really the act of learning or any of the things that I thought teaching was going to be about. Like I said, I, I did it for about three years. I didn't want to do a disservice to the the students that I was teaching. I felt like if I knew in my heart that it wasn't the right place for me to be that eventually my students would know that too. So I just decided to go a different way and was lucky enough. I was living in um, Florida at the time to find a job working in the area agency on aging. So working with people 55 and older in a job training and or retraining program. So there you go. I just took my education of young ones and applied it to um, older individuals. And that was much more of a fit for me. From then I have just continued to take positions that have Always allowed me to be somewhat of an educator, a networker, a people connector. Those are the things that I love um, in business and that really make me want to get up and go do my job every day.
0: I do have a lot of respect for elementary grade teachers and I don't know how they manage so many of other people's kids at that age. It's
1: very rewarding and I definitely could see that aspect of it, but it is a hard job. I cannot think of really any jobs that are harder than that. And I, like you, I have the greatest respect for school teachers.
0: So looking back now, what you know, right? all the places you have gone, would you have done anything different?
1: Oh, for sure. Only because I spent probably 10 years coming around from that whole education focus, uh, teacher focus back around to a more business leadership role. While I can appreciate the education background, I think if I would have started out in business to begin with, uh, it would have been a shorter path. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. In retrospect, I'm not sure that, I would have had the same experiences that I've had, which have led me to where I, where I am now. So I think everything works out for a reason, and I am happy for the journey that I've had. But I'm also happy to say that a lot of students today have more opportunity to explore different careers, the potential for different careers, and get to spend a little bit more time, hopefully, knowing themselves and trying to figure out what's important to them.
0: You changed your jobs from Chamber of Commerce because you had children at that point and you needed to focus on them. How did that play out? What was some of your learnings there? If you had to advise, you know, people with children trying to make a career out there, is there anything you would tell them today?
1: The most important thing is to know your resources. Like I said, I spent 13 years in the Chamber industry running Chambers of Commerce. So I had teams of folks that were there helping me to produce you know great events and wonderful training programs for businesses. I think it was awesome, honestly, my experience uh, there. What started to happen for me personally was that my husband started traveling a lot more for work. I also had uh, moved away from where I was born and raised uh, you know several, obviously many years before that. But when you have kids and you don't have your family around necessarily to help, other than your husband. And then his schedule changing and starting to travel, it just became a much bigger unit to juggle around. My kids were super flexible. I am very blessed in the fact they were good kids. They weren't in trouble. I didn't have to worry about them from that perspective. If I was at work, especially if it was an after-hours event or a before-hours event, not necessarily during your regular work days, but but some of those other times during the day when it was necessary for me to be away from home, I recognized that. I was somewhat thinking about what was going on at home and worrying about my kids or, you know, whether someone was going to get picked up on time or, you know, if all the pieces I had put together for them were actually going to happen the way I I had planned for them. And then the reverse was true. You know, a lot of times when I was home with my kids doing homework or shuttling them back and forth to activities, I'd be getting phone calls from members or someone on my team with questions about a program. I really think that I started to question how good a job I was doing in either role at that point because I couldn't be my best. I felt like I couldn't be my best uh, in either scenario. So after talking with my husband and talking with my team, I made the decision to leave the chamber world as a leader and join the regular corporate world again. That was a great decision for me then. You know, I still, to this day, that happened about um, eight or so years ago. And to this day, I still miss the chamber uh, industry some but I know it was the right decision for for me and for my family
0: you work in a winery on Saturdays let's talk about that
1: yes that is my guilty pleasure honestly. As I mentioned, it's no secret that I'm a people person. I love talking with people, helping people, educating people. I also love wine. I have spent over the last five or six years a fair amount of time learning about wine, how to pair it with food, learning about the different regions where Um, Certain varietals grow. And I just, uh, it's one, it's a hobby that I really enjoy. About 18 months ago, moved to Northern Virginia, and there's a lot of local wineries in this area. And when I moved to Northern Virginia, I also became a remote worker. Because my office is located in the uh, Boston area, and so that coupled with COVID meant that I was very isolated—not um, just at you know at work, but always. <laughs> so when the opportunity arose to work at the winery, I thought, what a great way for me to get out of the house, have some of those uh, conversations with folks and really share my knowledge and expertise of wine and wine pairing with folks who were interested in hearing all about that. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I just do it on Saturdays. It's it's my time away from the house and my time really focusing on some one aspect um, of my life that I really love.
0: What other things do you enjoy doing?
1: I love entertaining, which we haven't been able to do a lot of uh, these past 18 months. Um, But I also event planning, I love gardening, reading, photography, and and spending time with my family and friends, you know, and I get to do a, quite a bit of all of that.
0: That's awesome. You get to do what you love. Being yeah. in publication, what kind of reading do you do?
1: I do a lot of different kinds of reading. I try to be pretty well-rounded in terms of what I select, because sometimes I'm just reading, you know, something off the New York Times bestseller list, some sort of, I don't want to say chick lit novel. And sometimes I am truly reading to learn or to gain new perspectives. And one of the things that I've really been focused on doing this past year, especially, is trying to read books by authors who are from different backgrounds, different cultures, different upbringings than myself. I've found that I'm very interested and have really enjoyed learning about so many different perspectives, different ways of looking at the world, the different experiences that people have in their lives. And I feel like that makes me a little bit more understanding of individuals and where they're coming from. You know, if I see someone having a bad day now, I'm not thinking, geez, what a jerk or my goodness, what's wrong with that person? Instead, my brain immediately goes to wow, they must be having a bad day. I hope it's nothing too serious or or whatever kind of reframing those thoughts and getting that perspective for me has been been helpful. Oh, so, yeah. So I read a variety of different books, I guess is where I'm going. I love historical fiction, memoirs, and biographies. I'm just starting to get into both podcasts and books that are a little bit little bit. in the true crime era, which is a new uh, area for me. So a little bit of this and a little bit of that, I'd say, Divya.
0: So growing up, any major influences?
1: I'm sure a lot of folks will say their family. And I think that's a great thing to say, but for me, it's truly one of the things that I loved about growing up in Vermont is that I I had an extended family. My dad is one of five. My mom was one of three. I had lots of aunts and cousins, grandparents always around. I feel like I really learned uh, from a young age how important family and friend and family connections are in general to me as a support, but also as sort of just baseline of what to expect from people. So, you know, that was like, I guess, always part of my life. You know, in addition to that, I certainly had teachers who were influential on me, um, a couple in particular that were more on the business side in high school, one that I took marketing with and another that I took advertising with. That really was my first taste of Business, like what it's like, what it would be like to be in business. And although it took me several years post high school to get to the point where I was actually working in business and not in education, I remember those opportunities that were just briefly mentioned in high school. So, so there was that. And then one of the things I will say is, pretty soon after I graduated from college, about a year before I decided to leave education, I moved from New England to Florida. I lived in Florida for five. Five years and made the transition from education to business while I was there. But one of the things I will say is I was young, I was early 20s. When I did that, I went through a period where I was Pretty homesick, and just having a hard time reconciling myself to the fact that I didn't have my family around constantly anymore. And there were a couple of women that were older than me, they're probably in their 40s or 50s at that point in time, who really took me under their wing. And I began to flourish as a business person under their tutelage. But I also, for the very first time, recognized how important. It was to have connections to women in business and what a difference it actually makes to support each other as women in our work roles and our daily life. I would say that was the beginning for me of one of my second passions, which is really uplifting women and helping them to understand that they have the strength and knowledge to be the best that they can be. And sometimes it takes a while for them to recognize and start to pull those pieces together to move themselves forward in their chosen industry or or in their career. I hadn't thought about that until you just asked that question, but that really was the catalyst for this passion that I do have to this day of helping women uh, excel in business. We continue to do that in the job that I'm in now, whether it's women in STEM, working with college-aged young women or even school-aged girls, helping them prepare for sciences and mathematics careers. Uh, We also run an annual event that is a diversity equity and inclusion summit where we gather not just women but people from diverse backgrounds all over to talk about what it's like to work in the life science industries and where the opportunities are and the challenges and it's just very empowering because people start to find their voice those experiences that I had with those two or three mentors way back 20 plus years ago is still influencing me today
0: what a wonderful initiative. Did you find these women at work? Like, how did you start networking with these women? And if you had to give a piece of advice to women out there today, what would you say, where should they look for these networks that can really be helpful?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. So back then, I really found these first set of ladies that were um, so influential to me, I found at work, they didn't necessarily work in my program, but they were worked for the same company I did, they had different roles, but I did have the opportunity to chat with them about what they were doing in their respective programs and um, what kinds of things were important for them at work and at home. And then over time, friendship blossomed as well. So uh, some of them I would even see outside of work hours for coffee or get together with the kids or whatever um, too. So that's one way of getting connected with people is just to look to your colleagues. You know, don't be afraid to have conversations, to start conversations, to speak to people. About who they are and what's important to them in their daily uh, work roles, ask them their background, ask them what their story is. How did they get there? Because everybody has a different story. Everybody's story is important in developing who we are as people uh, and who we are as an industry. That was sort of the beginnings of that for me. But when running chambers of commerce, to your point about where else can you go, you really can get connected. When you're part of a business association, Uh, or some sort of industry association, whether it's a college alumni group, a chamber of commerce, a professional, association, etc. they're there to provide you with connections to people who are like you in one way or another, whether it's you're in the same industry or you all are in a book club because you like to read the same kinds of books or whatever. And it almost doesn't matter what the group is as much as how much you're willing to put in. Because if you put the time in and invest in making those relationships and connecting to those individuals, you will get something out of it. You'll get more out of it than you could ever put in, for sure. But I think the takeaway is don't be afraid. Don't let fear, apprehension, shyness, whatever it is, hold you back. Because nine times out of 10, the people that you're meeting, the people that you're talking to have those same apprehensions, fear, shyness, whatever. I say this a lot to college age kids and young entrepreneurs and young professionals is, you know, don't limit yourself and don't ever think that you're not worthy of a conversation with someone just because they've been in industry longer than you or because they hold a different title than you that you might think is superior to you or whatever. People are people. And I have found that when you connect to someone on a personal level, usually they're willing to connect back. And it's those networks and those connections that you have to be building throughout your career that are going to help you at some point propel you to the next Level in your career.
0: Excellent advice. Can't agree more <laughs> to that. Along the way, I'm sure you had people who were non-believers. who threw challenges your way, how was that, and how did you deal with those situations?
1: For sure, I think that that's going to happen to people, no matter what industry you're in, um, no matter what level you know, what title you hold with your company, career hurdle you're you're at. I think you're going to find there are some people who are negative, and honestly, I don't think I I don't I'm not one to confront people head on about that kind of stuff, as in, I I would never argue with someone about their opinion, I might try to understand why they're saying the things they're saying, and what might be the catalyst or the thoughts that they have, but for me, I always and again, maybe it was just my my upbringing. I was always raised to understand that I can only control my own actions. I can't control the actions of other people. It's what I choose to do with those thoughts and feelings that's going to either hold me back into that negative tone or allow me to move forward in a more positive way. And so I just relied on that knowledge myself um, and the things that I had learned from, you know, mentors and friends and family along the way in those challenging times. And I never just allowed myself to really get stuck there. One thing that I will say that I find very interesting is oftentimes in my career, when I have been um, in situations where there was maybe some negative energy or even some negative words, more often than not, it was coming from other women that I worked with rather than other men. And it's funny because a lot of times we still hear about the gender disparities in certain industries, women not being paid as much as men or women not having as many opportunities to climb the corporate ladder as men. But what I had experienced Was that oftentimes it's us as women that are holding each other back, just as much as it is some of the old school ways of thinking within the industry. And I've made it a point in the last 10 to 15 years of my career to make sure that I am not ever adding to that negative energy. And I try to, whenever possible, tutor or mentor, I should say, young women in business, whether they work in my company or they're just women, young women that I meet in industry or outside of industry while I'm out networking or at conferences or or wherever I'm at, help raise women up. Because I think that when we all can get on the same page in terms of wanting to see each other succeed and to help each other get to really the same end goal, which is for us all to be valued for the uh, professionals that we are in our respective industries, then I think we'll start to see a lot of that negativism um, that you can encounter diminish.
0: You just said what our mission is actually, women uplifting other women. That's exactly how this podcast got started. So. As you know, I am a believer, strong believer in that. I, I couldn't agree more with you on this Thank one. You, Absolutely. And I applaud
1: you and your efforts. I listen to your podcast weekly and it's always so inspiring to me to hear the other women's stories and to hear about the successes and, and that they've had and the folks who've helped them uh, get there. And I think the more that we can spread the word, that good word you know, the better off we'll be overall. Yep.
0: No, that's the multiplier effect. And you all are having it as our guests. And I can't thank all of you enough. As women, is there any advice you would give uh, for women in general to develop certain kind of skills that you think would take them much farther?
1: Yes. You know, from when I was in school, which was many, many years ago to today, you know, we have seen a little bit of a shift. In terms of curriculum, how we are treating boys and girls in those curriculum areas. And I don't think it's as much, uh, you know, girls aren't as stereotyped as much anymore about um, science and math or not being good at science and math as they were in my day. That being said, I think, you know, one of the important things that I would say to young girls is if you love something and you're passionate about something, don't be afraid to pursue it, uh, either to learn more about it. Uh, and decide if it's your career or to go for it like if that's something you want. But in addition to that to really knowing what you like and what you don't like, there are certain skills that really can help women at any level to go further in their careers. And those some of those skills are negotiations, learning how to set boundaries with colleagues, with bosses with partners or spouses and even with your kids so i mean that's really important to be able to set boundaries and to be able to hold those boundaries some of the other areas that i think historically and i saw this a lot at the chamber the upper level finance stuff so a lot of times we hear about women in banking and their tellers or their accounts receivable or accounts payable and they're handling the day-to-day tasks and they're really good at it, but they stop short of trying for the next level jobs in finance um, and really understand. And a lot of times it was because of this fear that they had that I'm not good with money or I don't know how to manage multi-billion-dollar contracts the way men do. And I'm here to tell you, men don't know how to do it either until they do it. And so for women, like learn, don't be afraid, learn how to manage finances, learn how to forecast, learn the ins and outs of financial dealings. Because if you are in any, it doesn't matter what industry, if you are a business manager in any industry, those are skills that you're going to need if you want to move up the ladder. So for sure that. And then, you know, for anyone, whether you're woman or man, no matter what industry you're in building a network of trusted advisors, people you can count on in business is never going to be a bad thing. It's always going to help you excel in your career because you're either going to know who to go to when you need a resource to find out information. You're going to know who to turn to when you need an introduction to someone, whether you're looking for a new job or you're looking to buy your next car. I mean, like, it's just that important. Networking is that important. And building that base of people that you can trust for honest feedback and for resources is invaluable. It's something that you'll carry with you for the for the rest of your career and the rest of your life.
0: Great advice. Thank you so much for your time, Stacey. Um, I can't thank you enough. This was wonderful. So thank you so much for being our guest.
1: Thanks, Divya. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I look forward to working with you again in the future.